This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome to Daily Drive for Wednesday, June 22nd, 2022. I'm Kellen Walker. Jamie's on the road. On the show today, Ford will end production at its plant in Sarlouis, Germany. Joe Manchin declares the extra tax credits for union-built EVs dead. And we've got some big moves in the C-suites of Toyota and Ford. Plus, we'll hear from a senior official at the U.S. Department of Energy who says states are off to the races on EV charging infrastructure. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Ford has no plans to replace Focus production at its assembly plant in Sarlouis, Germany in 2025. Instead, the automaker is looking for other opportunities for the factory. Ford of Europe chairman Stuart Rowley says that could include selling the plant to another automaker. Rowley stopped short of saying the factory will close. The Sarlouis plant lost out to another Ford facility in Valencia, Spain to build vehicles on the company's next-generation electric vehicle architecture. While Congress explores expanding EV tax credits, they won't include any special provisions for UAW-made vehicles in the new spending bill. That's the word from Senator Joe Manchin. The West Virginia Democrat told Reuters, quote, it's gone. The Build Back Better legislation passed last year in the House would have increased the $7,500 consumer tax credit to as much as $12,500. That was part of a White House-backed effort to make sure that EVs are, quote, manufactured by workers with good jobs. Manchin opposed the plan to increase the tax credit for union-made vehicles. So did EV maker Tesla, which is not unionized as well as foreign-owned automakers, including Toyota and Honda. Former Toyota communications executive Julie Hamp is back at the world's largest automaker. Hamp broke the glass ceiling at Toyota, only to be arrested in Japan and sent to the U.S. In 2015, Japanese authorities accused her of receiving oxycodone pills in the mail from a family member in order to alleviate knee pain. Japanese media reported at the time that prosecutors found little criminal intent in the case. Hamp is now serving as a special media advisor to President Akio Toyota. It wasn't immediately clear whether Hamp will be based in the U.S., Japan, or somewhere else. In other C-suite news, Ford is losing a longtime marketing executive. Matt Van Dyke is leaving the automaker to become president of Shift Digital, a digital marketing vendor. Last year, Van Dyke became CEO of the Ford Direct joint venture with dealers. Shift Digital says it's expanding its automotive clients and adding new ones in the power sports, heavy equipment, and hospitality industries. It has more than 600 employees with five offices in North America. Van Dyke will assume the new role on June 28th. And those are today's headlines coming up. The U.S. Department of Energy's Michael Barabee says states are taking charge on new EV charging stations. We'll hear that conversation next on Daily Drive. Listen to Fred Hayes, service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. 
before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in, it helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk and the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Kellen Walker. The trillion dollar infrastructure bill is a jolt toward building up fast charging EV infrastructure across the U.S. The law includes seven and a half billion dollars to help build out the nationwide charging network, as well as 65 billion dollars to upgrade the nation's power grid. Billions of dollars are set aside for states to figure out how to build out that infrastructure. Last week, our own Jamie Butters sat down with U.S. Department of Energy senior official Michael Barabee at the Automotive News Congress event in Washington, D.C. They talked about the pace of progress and whether states are positioned to take on these improvements. Here's part of that conversation. So take me into the rollout of the charging network. When, when does it start? When does it finish? Look, I think it's important to realize that the network, uh, there's a, there is some form of a network out there now, and I know right, what you're right. getting at for sure. <laughs> the, the work has been starting in earnest literally the day after the bipartisan infrastructure law was passed, Department of Transportation and Energy working jointly. One of the first things we did, Secretary Granholm and Buttigieg announced within a few weeks is we set up a new joint office of energy and the environment and transportation. And the key thing here is this has not been done before, having a joint office that sits between two federal agencies. So the mission of this joint office is to take the expertise from both agencies to really accelerate this deployment. Last week was a big week. We, the Department of Transportation Energy, I just think of us as one group, issued new minimum standards and guidance for the network. We have been working with 50 states, Puerto Rico, District of Columbia, who are going to be developing plans to help them with that process. So literally touching every state, meeting with state officials, the utilities, the, the PUCs, all of those groups. Ultimately, the state DOTs have the responsibility to develop a plan for their state. They're going to be submitting them by the uh, beginning of August to, uh, to us. And you know, again, we'll have been working with them. By beginning of October, both plans get reviewed and we're off to the races in terms of starting that process. It is important to note that this is not going to be the federal government going and buying charges and putting them in the ground. The money is going out to the states and then the states will actually be, much like they did with the VW settlement funds, they'll be using a variety of processes, putting out RFPs, things like that, working with the private industry, which could be everything from big network providers. It could be convenience stores, gas stations. There's a range of... Any place where you can put a public charger along the highway corridors mm -hmm. is fair game. So that'll be operated by the states? Managed, yes. Yeah. Probably a better way. They, In many cases, they will actually have owner operators, right? So it could be like some of the existing EV network companies or could be existing gas station chains mm -hmm. that actually are operating the stations. 
key message here is a lot of federal dollars, but a lot of partnership with the private sector, right? <laughs> it's going to take us working hand in hand. Will the half million chargers that are funded by the bipartisan infrastructure bill, will they be labeled in some way? Will it say brought to you by bipartisan they, infrastructure bill? <laughs> um, they will not. But what they hopefully will do, and I think more than hopefully, I think what they will do is they will have a common customer experience. The goal is you're driving across the country across an interstate, US highway or major highway, and you're first, we should be able to take anyone, plop them anywhere in the country, and they should be able to go out to the coast, figure out the, the network, and there will be a charger at least every 50 miles. And it should be a common experience. They pull up, and it's not like everyone is, I have to have a new membership, I have this. It will be, <laughs> I take my credit card out, I tap it, I fuel up, I get the same level of power, the same speed. So it will have a consistent national field experience. But in the same way, although I, I don't typically like doing an analogy to gas stations, because I think electric charging is quite different. Today, you go to a lot of different stations. They're all different, but they all have a similar feel. You know, you walk up to one, you know how to operate it. Right, right. Do the states have specific rules around maintenance and, um, you know, checking on them and yeah. fixing them so that people, you don't build yeah. more frustration with yeah, people? Yeah, absolutely. One of the number one things, you know, we've done a lot of work talking to customers. As you mentioned, I spent a lot of years as an automaker, so I know about listening to customers. It's got to be reliable. The first people have to have confidence that the station's going to be there. So they have to have confidence if I'm going to see one along the way, and then it's got to be up and running. So there'll be um, data that will be submitted, real-time data, so a customer can look, and they can go on an app and say, hey, oh, there's a charger here, and there are four chargers, and three of them are currently available and up and running. Great. Um, so that, that type of real-time data, mm -hmm. there's requirements for 97% or more uptime. And so states have to monitor that and the individual people owning it. There's funds that we will provide to help cover cost of maintenance. And I think we recognize that building a national network, like building the, you know, the interstate highway back right in the 50s uh, and, and beyond in the 60s, you're, you're building it everywhere. There are some parts of the interstate that don't see a lot of traffic, but if you don't have it, you don't have an interstate system. Mm -hmm. And same thing here with charging. There, some of these will not be as utilized, but it's important. It's an essential service to be able to fuel your vehicle as you're going across the country. And then I, I will also say of that 500,000 and the 7.5 billion, it's not just all corridors. So we've, the first piece is about building out the corridors, but then, and, and that's important because that gives people confidence. Mm -hmm. But what we know is that that's only about 10 at most 15% of the actual you know, electrons that will go into cars come from that. Most of it comes from people in and around their community. So there's another 2.5 billion in community-based charging grants that will be rolling out in the next phase. And that will help fill in. Those will be slower charges in many cases, maybe opportunity chargers. It could be charging uh, out on streets or for people that live in a multi-unit dwelling but don't have a place to charge their car at home at night so they can do slower overnight charging, which is typically less expensive. And that's two and a half billion on top of the 7.5? On top of the five. So it's a total of five plus 2.5. Okay, so it's a third of the 7.5. Exactly, okay. exactly. Gotcha. Anything else we should talk about on that important project of yours before the, we? Um, I will just say that while you know a lot of that conversation, right? Really, people are probably envisioning a, t a person in a car. It's also going to be critically important we build out for trucks as well. So mm -hmm. thinking you know, for commercial trucks, mm -hmm. and there are funds in there that can also be used. A state can have commercial uh, vehicles as well, as long as the chargers have to support 
at least two companies. So it can't be charging for an individual company, but depots that have multiple trucks. So in the vision overall, the build out of the program, it needs to you know cover light duty, but then it needs to go into the commercial trucks as well. Very, very important. You, you mentioned the metaphor of the national highway system. Of course, th those that get used the most wear out the fastest and you can't just build the highways. You've got to keep maintaining yeah. them and replacing them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think that points out that you know, 500,000 to 7.5 billion is the beginning. It's not, not the end, right? That I believe gets us to where we need to meet the tremendous commitments that I'm sure you've been talking about all day from you know, automakers and suppliers, right, for the product. That will meet that, but I think we have to recognize if 50% of new car sales are electric in 2030, and if you're 100% a little bit after that, it's still gonna be till 2050 as the car park turns over. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna be continuing to build out charging and fueling for the next 30 years, much like gas stations, right? They started a small number, they grew and grew as demand grew. Well, and perhaps like gas stations, they won't have to be subsidized by the federal government. Right, exactly. or you know, paid for by the right. federal government. Right. People right. will find a business. So they'll they'll figure out a way to make money. I certainly believe they will. <laughs> Michael Baraby is Deputy Assistant Secretary for Sustainable Transportation in the U.S. Department of Energy's Office of Energy Efficiency and Renewable Energy. He spoke with our own Jamie Butters at last week's Automotive News Congress in Washington D.C. To hear the rest of that conversation, you can still stream all of last week's event on demand. Just visit autonews.com slash wash DC Congress. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Kellen Walker. Jamie will be back tomorrow. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer for his help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on EV infrastructure, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, review, subscribe, so you never miss an episode.